Oh no, John Ooh, does love puppets. That's, that's, we were told. I hadn't considered puppets. You still have red fraggles okay, here. Okay, don't do it. It's too much. No, Can't take on. it. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of 1980s pop culture and its continued influence today. My name is Will, and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hello, guys. Hey, guys. Hey. Yay. Back again in the same place. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I guess we recorded some uh, intros for some episodes uh, we did a couple weeks ago, so it, it doesn't feel like I haven't seen you in so long, but when we before we had recorded that, it was like interminable. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's probably not a good idea to do those types of breaks during the winter because the lack of sun already had me feeling down. Oh, right. Mm. <laughs> and then you guys are my alternate source of vitamin D. <laughs> it's our beaming smiles. Mm-hmm. Just bring the sunlight. Yes, that's yeah. what it is. You're uh, my main source of vitamin D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't go outside. <laughs> and uh, speaking of a big D energy, uh, don't forget to check out Gen X Grown Up. Oh. John's big vitamin D energy. Uh, John's other podcast, uh, Gen X Grown Up, and is a YouTube channel and, and the like. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're interested mm-hmm. in uh, retro video games, because uh, John is, look, just by his shirt, you can tell alone. He's an expert. Mm-hmm. You know what game that is, Cat, on his shirt? Uh, oh, Space Invaders. There you go. That's right. Yay! That was the game today. You won. Look at that. We're one minute in and Cat's already got a win. Yeah. Hey, we are recording this episode live here on Facebook and YouTube uh, so that uh, our uh, audience can participate. So you folks out there in the, in the uh, right now in our Facebook uh, audience, uh, please, and YouTube audience, please give us a shout in the comments because otherwise we don't know you're there. <laughs> if we right. really don't, it doesn't tell us <laughs> anybody's there or who's there unless you say something or don't. Mm-hmm. You can lurk too. Lurking is allowed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I want to let you guys know. Oh, you know what? I have a thing here. Let's see. Can I do this without uh, breaking a stride here? Probably That's not. There we go. Said. Hey, this episode is brought to you courtesy of the wonderful fine folks over at uh, Kokomo Toys and Collectibles. Yeah. This is the largest toy store in the Midwest. Uh, it was featured on Nacelle's, you know, our, 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 one of our, our favorite documentarians, uh, Nacelle, Brian Volkweiss's company. Mm-hmm. Nacelle's, a yep. toy store near you. In fact, it's the it's the one store that Brian says at the opening is the store he has still yet to visit and the one he most longs uh, to visit. Mm. Um, uh, anyway, so thanks to Kokomo for not only sponsoring this episode, but we're going to be giving away a collectible or two uh, later in the show. So stick around. It's really easy for you to win it. Yes. I can't wait to have you type in a secret word. The word will probably be Kokomo. <laughs> Hashtag Kokomo. <laughs> but maybe we won't tell everybody else that later. I don't know. Hey, if you want your chance to win a prize and join us in chat, uh, participate in the, in the conversation here, join us next time we are live on uh, Facebook and YouTube every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Hey, on today's show, however, after 1980s news, we're going to be talking about our fictional crushes. Mm-hmm. Before you ever fell in love with an actual human, provided that you have, not everybody probably has, uh, you most likely had a crush on a fictional uh, TV or film character. They may even have been animated. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, who they were and why they, it was even important that we uh, had those at all. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready. Right. Hey, before that, though, we're going to talk about uh, news stories related to 1980s media, including 
I got nothing clever here. I'm just going to tell you what it is. The first one, I was, <laughs> it was too obvious, and then they, they peter out. The first one, does the uh, new roadhouse pack a punch? I mean, that's just, that's low. Right, not bad. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, no, sure. that works. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how Madonna's being sued by some fans. And Yo. the story of how a child has beaten Tetris. What? Wow. Yes. <laughs> they definitely became lower effort as you were. Yeah, it's not the effort, John. I was trying. How were you? But see, maybe that's worse because I tried and still was like, I got nothing. You couldn't do like uh, the Tetris kid finds the, finds the final piece of the puzzle or, or something like that. Nothing. Nothing. Really? <laughs> that that would have been much better. You're right, John. But that was the second game of the show. So that, that's, I had to do that for that purpose. <laughs> Two wins. Won, We're already won. doing well. Yeah. All right. One apiece. Hey, uh, <laughs> brief announcement here before we get going. Look, I've already mentioned we're going to be live every Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern on Facebook and YouTube. Or until it turns out to be a bad idea. Now that's awesome. <laughs> right? I mean, we've done other stuff where it's like young ho and then it's like, you know, that was a terrible idea. Let's not do that anymore. Right? What was that? What turned into bad ideas? I can't think of it. Or anything. until Cat has a Duran Duran concert that's more important than That's us, true. in which case we'll have to some <laughs> sort of <yeah>. interruption. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Uh, and also, as I mentioned, uh, look, Kokomo Toys and Collectibles is sponsoring this episode, but we've got some other. Well, first of all, I got to mention this to you. Kokomo, by the way, those folks are amazing. Mm. Not mm-hmm. only did they agree to sponsor this episode, but they said, hey, what do you want to give away? And I said, you know, I'm not sure. You guys have so many amazing things. What do you suggest? Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, we'll send you some things. You could give away whatever you'd like. They sent a mm-hmm. box. I am not kidding. It is like two feet by two feet. It was a, on the <laughs> outside of the box that said two people needed to lift, you know, for safety purposes. <laughs> and Don't hurt are, your back with all the cool toys. <laughs> there are dozens and dozens of amazing things in there that we're going to be giving away over the next several weeks. But we've got some other sponsors lined up as well with uh, some other prizes for our live Facebook and YouTube audiences. The other thing I wanted to mention, hey, later this week, uh, you're going to hear our uh, interview with Robin Block, who uh, Robin was a guest on the show, I want to say three years ago. He's a... Uh, the CEO and executive producer at Creator VC. Speaking of documentarians that we love, this is another company that produces amazing documentaries. You might've seen them undoubtedly if you're a fan of films, they did the In Search of Darkness, which was uh, three volumes or soon to be three volumes of uh, documentaries about the 1980s horror films. And they're moving mm-hmm. on to the 90s. Now they did In Search of Tomorrow, which is sci-fi for the 80s. And now they've got a special, just really, it's, I can't explain it. You're going to have to hear our chat with Robin. They're focusing on The Thing, 1982's uh, John oh. Carpenter's The Thing in this crazy, they're calling an expanded documentary uh, where they, mm. they plan on digging into it in a way that hasn't been, you know, examined. So check out that interview coming up shortly. All right. All right. Yeah. Hey, that's enough of that. Let's get started on 1980s news. Hey, uh, this week on 1980s news, as reported by Planet Radio, Madonna uh, kicked off the new, uh, sorry, the title, the headline is fans sue Madonna. <laughs> and here's the story. Mm-hmm. A little bit of back uh, story, uh, taking it back a little bit. Madonna kicked off the North American leg of her celebration tour in December, on December 13th at Barclays Center in uh, Brooklyn, New York. At that time, she told the, pre- <laughs> this is going to be prescient or important. Uh, at okay. that time, she told the audience present, quote, we do shit our way. New York is not yeah. for little pussies who sleep. End quote. <laughs> and again, as you certainly not, mm-hmm. as you're going to see, that might have been a disclaimer of sorts. Maybe she intended it. Exhibit A in this lawsuit. I don't know. Uh, 
But uh, playing out over seven acts, the concert tells uh, some version of Madonna's story. We, we talked about months ago how Madonna's biopic got canceled, and then she announced this tour, which seems to be her way of still, you know, telling her, her tale. Um, mm-hmm. But the dancers take the stage, uh, dress as various incarnations of the Queen of Pop at different, you know, stages of her life. And the set list contains 27 career-spanning <laughs> hits. Which is a whole wow. change because usually she yeah. just focuses on whatever album she's promoting and, you know, which we, I hate that. I hate when guys, people do that. <laughs> yeah. Play the hits. Yes. The hits? Now it's, yeah. it's funny because look, the, the concert is long and it's, they did, she fit in 27 songs, but people are still complaining, you know, you need to dress you up. This show sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's your favorite, but that's yeah. not what the audience was so upset about no right she was not sued over not playing dress you <laughs> no although i mean after you hear the suit i mean maybe anything is, is fair game here yeah uh, the good news for madonna is that e- even the material girl is just two years shy uh, from uh, collecting social security according to rolling stone she wasn't tired uh during the performance the mm. tour de force of sights and sound continued until one o'clock in the morning whoa so it began on one day <laughs> And ended on another. Mm-hmm. We, we call that a red eye concert. Is that right? Okay, that makes sense. Just like flights. Yeah. See, I'm gonna I'm counting on you guys for your uh, experiences of these sort of things because, as you know, mm. I don't like concerts. Right. Uh, but the bad news or for people my, or being in public. Yes. Or loud things or music or Madonna or sitting near others. All the yes. all the everything in a concert. Yes. Or, or live music for that matter. Yes. Or beer. <laughs> Whatever. What else do they have? I hate merchandise. Garbage. Hate that. Oh. The bad news for Madonna is, though, is that two exhausted fans are suing her, Live Nation and the Barclays Center, stating that they, mm-hmm. quote, would not have paid for tickets, and quote, had they known it would finish so late. Wow. So the fans, uh, Michael Fellows and Jonathan Haddon, claim in court papers submitted at uh, Brooklyn Federal Court on January 17th that Madonna took the stage more than two hours late at that mm-hmm. inaugural, there it inaugural is. show. Yeah. Yep. Right. Two it's not that late. it ended so late. It's that it started so damn late. <laughs> <Yes>. Well, <laughs> you don't expect yeah. an 8.30 show mm-hmm. to last till one in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> then she'd be a tired two years from retirement lady. That yeah. that would be exhausting. Well, it turns out, John, th- th- both of these things upset these folks because that they say, in, in spite of the, uh, I'm sorry, they they argue that quote many ticket holders who attended the concerts on a weeknight had to get up early to go to work and or take care of their family responsibilities the next day. End quote. Mm-hmm. And elsewhere, they state that they were quote left stranded in the middle of the night with Ye- limited public transportation, limited ride sharing, mm-hmm. and or increased transport transport costs when the show ended in the early hours. I have two thoughts here, and I don't know. I didn't divine it from the article, but what was happening during the two hours? If there was an opening act, not that you would expect an opening act to run for two hours, but were they being entertained by something or someone? Or were right. they just all like, you know, give us Madonna, give yeah. us Madonna. What was happening during the two hours? Yeah, I was wondering that too. I, I know someone who went to one of Madonna's concerts recently. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, she posted taking bets on when Madonna's going to show up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah. So she has a reputation for that, which she exactly. even addresses in this uh, response to the lawsuit. Yes, her reputation precedes her. And the same friend also in a follow-up post said, I'm going to need another day to recover from this concert. (laughs) Yeah, right. Got home at two in the morning, not ready for work. Exactly. Uh, Sounds like she loved it though. She was thrilled. mm -hmm. She didn't 
care about what time Madonna showed up. Yeah. She just cared that she did. And it sounds like it was great. And I admit the, the article was a little confusing, John, because it made it sound like Madonna's response was, you know, I do this, but they had a miss. Yes. They had a typo in that. That was what, confusing. What it really yeah, was yeah. is the plaintiffs were saying that Live Nation and the Barclays Center know that Madonna doesn't go on time appear on time. Mm -hmm. She has a history of doing that and therefore they shouldn't have advertised her as appearing at 830. Uh, There's a typo in that thing that made it confusing, but I agree gosh. with you. They yes, should turn yeah. that around and say, look, we said 830, but you guys in your own complaint said, you know, she's late all the time. <laughs> exactly. Well, here's the thing. And I'm not going to try to out lawyer the lawyer, but here's the thing. If we go out to lunch and I warn you now, Will, I'm prone to punching people in the nose. Okay. When I do punch you in the nose, it's yep. not, not assault. Oh, just because yeah. you knew it was liable to I happen. See. Doesn't mean, you know, mm. well, Hey, you know what you signed up for. You know who you married, right? You know what mm. you're getting into. No, it doesn't matter. You have the reputation for that. You still did that to these people. So yeah. mm -hmm. just because she's prone to do that, I don't think mm -hmm. makes her, you know, scot free. Yeah. And ultimately, I agree with I agree with you entirely, but it seemed like a strange argument to put that out there. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, but you. is it sue worthy, right? Like, what are they even suing for? What, like the cost of their ticket back? Yeah, <laughs> I guess that, yeah. What, what are they entitled to sue for? Right. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. you're right. It would be maybe the tickets, yeah. their transportation home, mm -hmm. if they had to be mm -hmm. late for work and lost wages because of hours. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, that's really, mm -hmm. that's all they could get back. I mean- Maybe yeah. court costs or attorney fees. They might not even be entitled to that depending on the state and depending on the type of lawsuit you're bringing. So, Extra babysitter hours. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A Red Bull I had to buy at the, at the bodega on the corner. Uh, your wife found out you went to the concert with your girlfriend. That could lead to problems. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Had I been home at midnight, I would have slipped the, in. No one would have found out. But because of her bladder issue, she's up at 1 a.m. going to the bathroom. So... <laughs> Are you window. just getting home? Who's that? Yeah. I just say we chalk this up to the risk of going to a concert. All yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. It, definitely irritating. Not Sue worthy. Yeah. Not, not yeah. litigious. Yeah. I don't see right. that. Well, you know, yep. she's coming to Cleveland, uh, you know, the, the second week of February. Oh, and, uh, or, or yeah. Like February 8th, I think it mm -hmm. is. Um, but uh, I, so I checked out tickets. And first of all, the first thing that shocked me was to sit fairly close wasn't as expensive as I would have thought. Oh. Considering it's Madonna, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> why are you laughing? It's Madonna. Maybe at her age, she looks better from a distance. You know. Oh, John, she, I, I'm deincentivizing <laughs> you from sitting too close. Well, John, uh, yeah. Ultimately, yes. uh, that's one of the things I thought maybe was an issue. You're right. She's had a lot of seemingly plastic surgery. I don't know if mm -hmm. she's copped to yep. it or not. But but the other thing is, as soon as I read this article, I was like, no, I'm not. I was because I was ready to go. I'm not going. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't want to sit there for two hours. Maybe if I showed up at 10 o'clock or 10.30, but I've already got my pajama pants tucked into my socks by then. <laughs> your hot pants are ready for this. Yes. There's no chance. You just wear your jumper to the concert. Take a nap in the aisle. Right, that's true. Very snuggy or something. Yeah. Bring your sleeping mm -hmm. bag. Yep. Well, you're right, Kat. We don't know what these guys are suing for, uh, but it turns yeah. out this isn't the first time that fans have objected to the singer being late and filed a lawsuit uh, in 2019, a fan sued her over a delay for a U.S. show, but they volunteer voluntarily withdraw the the case, and mm -hmm. it was dismissed uh, a month later, according to ABC News. In that same year, Madonna had shared a post of her live on stage in which she told fans, "quote There's something that you all need to understand, and that is that a queen is never late." Oh, oh, okay then. <laughs> I think I'd sue her just for that attitude. Can't call it late. Right. <laughs> 
I, I started some comments here. Yeah, what do you got? Peek at what people are saying about oh, uh, okay. the reaction here. We'll see Marcus uh, got to a concert at seven one night and got home from the after show the next morning at seven. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, Kathy is with Jamie Lee Curtis. Concerts should start at 3 p.m. Oh, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm for that. Absolutely. No, I That's you. yeah. your type of concert. Well, my if gosh, you like yes. concerts, that would be the time for Perfect you concert for me would be afternoon in mm-hmm. my living room. That would be great. <laughs> On the TV, pausable. <laughs> yes, I can control the volume and skip the songs I don't like. Right. That's right. Next. There you go. Next. We also have Brandon saying that this sounds like the country music equivalent of no-show George Jones. Does that mean George oh. Jones just doesn't show up or? I guess not. Notorious for that, yeah. Is that right? No. Yeah. He's a no-show, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, Cole Meany. Uh, the actor who portrayed Miles O'Brien on Deep Space Nine, also mm-hmm. notorious for skipping conventions that he was oh. committed to. Oh, I almost no. saw him three times and he didn't show to any <gasps> of them. Oh. <laughs> That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Disappointing. Yeah. And John Henderson points out yeah. that they are suing her to get back their youth when they would have been <laughs> fine with a Madonna running late. All right. Hey, in other <laughs> 1980s news, as reported by Vulture, the trailer for Roadhouse packs a punch. All right, I did it twice. That was, that's, that's bad. But on Prime, <laughs> not at the theater. How about that? That's something. Right. It goes straight to Prime. Yeah. Uh, if you recall, though, in the original film, I Want You to Be Nice Until It's Time to Not Be Nice was the code by which uh, James Dalton, then played by uh, Patrick Swayze, the ba- who was at that time the bouncer with the mysterious past, said in the original 1989 film, it, it, in that version, though, Swayze's Cooler attempts to keep the peace at a refurbished roadside bar, the Double Deuce, which is located, I think, in Missouri at the time. There, there's a oh. in Missouri. Yeah. Uh, but instead, he winds up riling the uh, a cor- a corrupt uh, local businessman and having to deal with the, that uh, uh, noise. <laughs> and by the film's end, Dalton is forced to be no longer nice, or so he probably had to argue before a, a jury of his peers. Uh, because confirming the rumors about him in, in the climactic battle, Dalton tears out the larynx. Larynx. Yes. Mm, larynx. Very nice. Yep. You tear yourself a bell. <laughs> he tears out the larynx uh, of one of the film's big bad at the end. Uh, you got, did you guys know that much about the old movie? I have. It's, it's on I, my, you know what? <laughs> I thought I watched it okay. and then I grabbed it to watch. And I'm like, I'm not sure I've watched it. Yeah. It's one of those that everyone's watched. And I've heard about so much that I kind of thought I had, yeah. but maybe I hadn't. Yeah. I think it's definitely worth watching. Now, it's a film yeah. that gets, it's one of those films that some people regard as so bad it's good. Oh. Uh, at the time I saw it in 1989. The impression I had. Which I, mm-hmm. I might have seen it in the theaters, but I certainly remember renting it and then watching it and watching it and re-renting it again and watching it again mm. with my friends. Mm. It's the kind of movie that we regarded at the time so, so good it's good. Not that it was, you know, bad. Mm-hmm. It's, as, mm-hmm. it's as cheesy as a 1980s film gets. So yeah. Cheesy, that's the right term <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, within the context <laughs> yeah. of it, it was amazing. It has, you know, some terrible lines in it in hindsight, uh, but some amazing action. And this this idea of a guy who is, in their version, he was a mysterious guy. We didn't really know much about him, except that he was hired to be this cooler at a, at a you know, a rough bar. And mm-hmm. folks were talking about this rumor that they heard he had ripped, ripped out someone's larynx and killed some, larynx, larynx, <laughs> mother. <laughs> One for two. We're so close. He's got so many ends in there. Yeah. Larynx. I got to look at yes. it. Hey. Yes. Larynx. <laughs> two for three. <laughs> Larynx. A killing the guy. So four. everyone's like, eh, that can't possibly be true. You know, you can't really tear a guy's throat out. Then, of course, at the, in the climax of the film, he tears a dude's throat out. Now, whether he really Ooh. had to, I, I don't know. But it's, it's, as, mm. it's, as, 
cool a moment as uh, Daniel uh, using the uh, crane kick at the end of mm-hmm. the karate yeah. kick. Gotcha. It's, it's, yeah. it's up there with that, I think. Uh, this, however, you know, after seeing this trailer, it had me thinking about the old film. Because if anybody remembers anything about the movie, that's what they remember, right, folks in the chat? But it had me Googling whether this was possible. Oh, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully people were just on the same page as me because they were inspired by that trailer. Because when I typed in, can you really rip out someone's throat like in Roadhouse? That returned over 800,000 results. Oh my and goodness. I didn't go past the first <laughs> few pages, but it was people inquiring and getting yeah. responses. Any, anything's possible within a force, really. Can't you? If well, you just try hard enough. The one thing I've played Mortal Kombat. <laughs> well, the one the folks that objected to the idea of being realistic was saying that the grip strength you would need to break through and the nails you would need on your fingers mm-hmm. to break through mm-hmm. the skin would be the most difficult part. Crushing mm. someone's throat, sure, that's fine. But actually tearing through the skin, <laughs> this mm. is so disgusting. <laughs> that, yeah, that that's requires too much, you know. But anyway, uh, can okay. we talk about the crane kick instead? <laughs> well, I, the, the, one guy asked it very specifically: this, how likely is it so, that someone could rip my throat, break my neck, or otherwise lethally neutralize me with their bare hands without breaking a stride while passing me on the sidewalk if they had ten years to practice? Jeez, this guy owes somebody money, and he should just pay them. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and that guy was like, if I see you on the street, I'm not even going to break a stride when I tear your throat out. And I've been practicing for 10 years. Well, most folks said that it wasn't possible for the, for the biological reasons I explained. Uh, there was a website that I'm not going to give out the name of oh. that described various deadly martial arts strikes, including ripping out the throat and another called monkey stealing a peach, which was very similar. <laughs> Will's been spending time on the digital anarchist cookbook learning how to do horrible things to human beings. Well, this one was, I had to read what Monkey Stealing a Peach was when I saw that title. And it concludes with saying, John, it's reminding me of you because they described, it's ultimately getting the throat ripped out, you know? But Uh ultimately they conclude, they say, it's like, you know, like a monkey (laughs) snatching a peach. You know, like Like, Jesus, you know, like like a baby's arm holding an apple. (laughs) Anyway, regarding this uh, forthcoming new take on the film, uh, director Doug Lyman promises a, quote, adrenaline fueled reimagining of the 80s cult classic, end quote. And that might be okay in this instance. Mm. Uh, This time, Jake, listen, the changes they made, because Patrick Patrick, uh, Swayze played uh, someone named. James Dalton on this film, Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays Elwood Dalton. Oh. Uh, Oh. And he's a former UFC fighter. So he doesn't have a mysterious background. We know about his past somewhat, it seems. But anyway, he like, like in in the original film, he takes a a job as a bouncer this time at a a bar in the Florida Keys. And he Mm -hmm. soon discovers that Florida is filled with Floridians, I guess, you know, Uh, (laughs) that's terrifying to him. Didn't expect that. He made a bad move. Uh, And among Mm. those Floridians, uh, Include a developer vying to raise the bar and build a, a resort that they refer to as a quote for rich assholes in the trip. That was the uh, the douche, douche bag on a boat we called out. Right? Yes. That guy. Yeah. I think that it looks, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, look, the other movie I said was good, but mm-hmm. this is the instance where I'm okay with a new new take on it with new actors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I was and wondering what you I feel the same thought. way. And yep. they okay. exist in different worlds and it's safe and they're compartmentalized in my like, you know, emotional space mm-hmm. inside of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I tell you right now, if I had them both available to watch, yeah. I've seen neither. I, I've kind of seen the old one because of, you know, pop culture, but I would watch the new one right now. That one looks more intriguing to me mm-hmm. than what I know of the old one. 
some 40 odd years later. So. Yeah. There are times I have an opportunity to watch an old movie and I'm just turned off by the, even just the quality yeah. of the yeah. production, you know. I want to watch both of them. Mm, okay. We have some reactions here uh, from our, Ooh. our watchers. Uh, Brandon says it's the first time he's seen the trailer and mm. he says, yeah, I dig it. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, on board with us here. Um, Nick, hi Nick. He says it looks great, but how does this match up with the original? Uh, that's, that's the question. Talking yep. about. Wonder if it's going to be like another Karate mm-hmm. Kid. <laughs> and Owl says he's uh, seen the older movie. Uh, he says it's such an awful movie, but so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, Kat, you know, I often discourage you from watching movies. <laughs> yeah. Like I think most recently when we were recording, I said, don't watch Purple Rain. It's not necessary. You always mm-hmm. tell me not to watch something. Uh, only if they're bad. Only if they're bad. <laughs> Okay. Roadhouse, people may tell you it's bad, but it's definitely worth watching. It's, it's a good good kind of bad. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not so bad as to not watch it. No. It, it has right. redeeming qualities and worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Swayze is so great and, 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 and in this role because yes. in, and in reading about the production of it, you know, it doesn't surprise me. But, you know, a lot of it is just this mixture of backgrounds he had between, you know, martial arts and dance that mm-hmm. he brought this kind of elegant and, and sort of, you know, I don't know, sort of not maybe elegant isn't the right word, but this kind of sophistication to this quiet, you know, sort of uh, lone gunman type guy mm-hmm. that, I, I don't know, he was both, you know, Fred Astaire and Clint Eastwood, you know, he had this Ooh, kind of smoothness wow. in, in maintaining peace <laughs> yeah. until, like he said, it's time not to be nice. And then he could really, it was very believable that he could beat somebody's ass. So. Yeah. You know, it, philosophically for me watching the two, looking at the two films, what I know of the old one and the new one, that's the biggest difference for me between the two that make it a very different approach. The Swayze Roadhouse, he looked like he couldn't whip your ass. And therefore when he did, it was all the more startling. Mm, that, that's interesting. Whereas yeah. McGregor is clearly a badass. And mm-hmm. so- yeah. It's surprising that people start stuff with him in the first place. He's not an unassuming badass, right? You know uh-huh. he has the capacity, mm-hmm. whereas Swayze's yeah. uh, Dutton or Burton, what was his name? Dutton, I think. Dalton, yeah. Yeah, yeah Dalton. He, he just, he's just there and people expect it. Well, he's no threat. Or we could just steamroll over him. And they did until they couldn't anymore and he snapped. So yeah. uh-huh. it's really a totally different approach to what that hero, anti-hero, whatever he is, mm-hmm. uh, is in the in the in the sight of the other characters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, okay. that's the biggest mm-hmm. difference in my mind. And I actually read, you know, I, I alluded to or referenced that final climactic battle between him mm-hmm. and the big, it's really the, it's really the, the uh, right-hand man of the main bad guy. So it's the main henchman, you know, his, his uh, you know, I don't know what you call it. Not, not the executioner, there's a word for it. But anyway, you know, his, uh, his, uh, gun, his trigger man, trigger man, I guess you'd say. Sure, uh-huh. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They actually filmed that fight scene before they filmed anything else in the film. Oh, really? And mm-hmm. when these two guys got together and the guy who was cast as a bad guy was a guy who was a martial arts expert mm-hmm. uh, turned actor. He and Patrick Swayze, just to make a long story short, just agreed they would really fight. Oh, really? So they had choreography, but they said, let's not hold back punches. Let's hold back. Let's fake fight, uh, uh, rather punches to the face because we have to film the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, and otherwise, let's just go for it. And they did. And, and the crew members would... We're, we're so afraid they were really hurting each other would, you know, pull them apart. Stop, stop, stop. And they would say, let us go. We're, we're in the zone here. We know what we're yeah. doing. Right. In fact, there's a moment where the, the main henchman breaks a log over uh, Patrick Swayze or Dalton. That wasn't planned. Mm. Uh, and mm. he, he wound up cracking some of uh, Swayze's ribs uh, as a result. But Oh, my. You know, two tough guys <laughs> that just went for it. Uh, anyway, you'll recall, yeah. speaking of that, though, you'll recall that uh, on March 4th, we talked about this once before, those gathered uh, in Las Vegas to see an actual UFC fight between John Jones and Cyril Gain. 
became movie extras when Jill and Hall engaged in a, in a match, a stage match with former UFC mm-hmm. fighter Jay Huron. Uh, yep. The crowd that I don't think knew it was fake, you know, and these guys, much like what I just described to you about this uh, back in the original film, they had a choreography, but they just went for it, uh, you know, really striking each other and, and so on. And it seems like we've seen mm-hmm. some of that footage there in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, John noted that the real life UFC uh, fighter, Conor McGregor, landed a role in the film making it his acting debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of being nice until it's time to no longer be nice, McGregor is currently facing a lawsuit in Ireland followed by a woman who alleges that he raped her in 2018. Uh, And last uh, year, uh, Miami prosecutors chose not to pursue charges against him over allegations he sexually assaulted another woman at an NBA game. I had heard rumblings. I saw somebody on Twitter, someone said, the Roadhouse trailer. And then someone rapidly said, yeah, with that asshole that whatever. I'm like, what, what did he do? What did he do? So I went to his Wikipedia page Mm -hmm. and there's a whole section about uh, controversy or problems he's had. And I get the feeling like a guy who's that, aggro just mm-hmm. can't turn it off mm-hmm. and all the problems he run, runs into is where uh, you know somebody has paparazzi you know camera in their face and where you would get in a car and say go away he smacks him and crushes the phone you know you know Dwayne Johnson crossed over from athletics you know wrestling into film but he was yeah. acting I get the feeling Conor McGregor in his aggression in his fights yeah none of that is an act he is <laughs> It's right. UFC versus wrestling is the point. Yeah. But right. yeah. look, I don't know, repeated uh, uh, accusations. Sometimes you think, well, that's the common denominator, even though none of them have been prosecuted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, in my mind, as much as a like, good bad guy he looks like, I'm kind of separating, like I'm not liking him as a person. I'm kind of liking him in that role right now until I decide how I feel about the guy. You know? Right. We'll think that's funny. Maybe. Why is yeah, that funny? Yeah. He's a good bad guy because it turns out he's a bad guy. Maybe. Yeah. 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 That's but, it. but you want to root for the guy playing the bad guy guy. Like, I don't like the guy playing the bad guy right now, though. I like the bad guy. You know, I like his Mm -hmm. persona and his appearance and he looked formidable. He looked like somebody I wanted to go up against Jill and all. I like that about it, but Mm -hmm. not sure. I like the guy. I mean, I Mm -hmm. want to watch the movie, but I don't want to be watching the movie being like, with that baggage. (laughs) Yeah. You son of a bitch. You earned how much for this movie? You person. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, Karen reminds us that Sam Elliott was in the original. Oh yeah. He's great in it too. So Sam Elliott's great in everything, right? In everything. Yeah. Yeah. And Eric asks if we have any love for Roadhouse 2 that came out in 2006. (laughs) No. Oh, <laughs> never. I have never seen it, Eric. And no I can idea. just answer you right now. No. <laughs> uh, but how do you see this one coming out? As John mentioned, it, it, he caught the end there. It's going to be streaming and only streaming on March 21st mm-hmm. on Prime Video, which has uh, Doug Lyman, the director, mad enough to tear some throats out of his own. That's a monkey grabbing a melon. Just <laughs> <laughs> I think monkey's stealing a peach. Monkey's stealing a peach. <laughs> well, no, I was stepping it up. Oh. I was moving oh, it up. Okay. It was more, oh, more aggressive. Because peach it requires two hands. Well, it's a cantaloupe. It's not a watermelon. I mean, what? It's, I mean, how big are Doug's Lyman's hands? <laughs> Small cantaloupe. Palm on a okay. basketball. Honey, it's honeydew, oh. perhaps. Anyway, MGM had prompt or Amazon when they took over MGM. They they swore to Lyman, "Look, we're really committed to releasing films in theater before we stream them." Uh, but according to Lyman, uh, in an editorial that he published in, in Deadline, he, Amazon, Except quote, turned one. around and are now using Roadhouse to sell plumbing fixtures. <laughs> That's kind of hyperbole, isn't it? I mean, streaming is no longer the, we've talked about, it, it's no longer the stigmatized thing. TV right. is not the bastard stepchild any longer. It's a viable outlet. Uh, yet, 
theatrical would be great, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, but he makes some good points here because he says that he feels this is his best movie. And it turns out that it's testing better some, than some of the other films he made that were very mm-hmm. successful, including Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Born Identity. Mm-hmm. But um, and, and additionally, or, or well, and additionally, he points out that a result of not having in the theater may limit how much profit, you know, you know how these Hollywood, mm-hmm. they cook these books, yeah. but how much profit mm-hmm. the, the theaters, will, the studio will show. And therefore, anybody who has profit participation, including the cast and the crew, they may yeah. not get anything because these streamers, right. they have this other type of accounting method that, which is part of the strike that we had recently with the writers and the actors that may show that they don't turn any profit, you know? And so- mm-hmm. So a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, are are suffer as a result, including the audience, uh, because Lyman points, includes his piece in Deadline with this this chilling idea. After he suggests that probably a human wasn't responsible for this decision, probably some algorithm over at Amazon said, you know what, we shouldn't we shouldn't put this in theaters because here's the bottom line. Uh, With regard to that, Lyman writes, quote, but a computer doesn't know what it's like to share the experience of laughing and cheering and crying with a packed audience in a dark theater. And if mm-hmm. Amazon has its way, future audiences won't know either, end quote. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, and uh, finally, in other uh, 1980s news, uh, as reported by Ars Technica, which is a, a publication I think John probably has a subscription to. <laughs> he probably still gets a hard <laughs> copy of it delivered to him. Too. A 13-year-old kills Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> Good, that bastard. Like a- like a monkey grab at a Rubik's cube. There you go. Yes. <laughs> hey, much like a life in the 1980s, uh, video games of that decade did not allow for winners. They only got harder until you lost. Yeah, it's more difficult until you die. Oh, John. <laughs> so for decades after its 1989 release, uh, each of the hundreds of millions of standard NES Tetris games ended the same way. A block reaches the top of the screen mm-hmm. and triggers a game over message. Mm-hmm. That 34-year-old streak was finally broken. On December 21st, 2023, when 13-year-old Phenom Willis Gibson, who calls himself Blue Scooty, isn't that, isn't that your nickname, Cat? <laughs> no, it's Scooch. Oh, Scooch. Scooch, Scooch, Scooch. Right, Scooch. Uh, Blue Scoochie. Blue Scooty became the first human uh, to uh, reach the game's kill screen after a 40-minute, 1,511 line performance crashing the game by reaching its functional limits. Wow. Oh, by the way, the game gets faster and faster as you play, right? Oh, yeah. Here, oh. here yeah. we have a clip of him playing. <laughs> no kidding. That was the whole run. <laughs> That's amazing. That wasn't the whole run. Until but, yeah. just a few years. <laughs> that wasn't also not a clip. Until just a few years ago, the Tetris community at large assumed it was functionally impossible for a human to get past 290 lines. Wait, that wasn't a clip? I mean, it doesn't sound very far from that. Have you not watched the clip? It is I that did, crazy. I did watch it. Yes. Yeah. We'll okay. Yeah. That. Oh, I didn't watch They're it. They're coming down the about, music, about it that The rate. music doesn't speed up though. Yes. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But they, uh, look, the community, look, the game is 40 years old, but the people in the Tetris community who know much more about it than us, as of just a few years ago, they didn't think anybody could get past 290 lines. This kid did 1,500. Yeah. But that's because the traditional technique of playing Tetris, the way that you, uh, probably all of us here played, was limiting, it turns out. Mm. Uh, to move a piece horizontally as it falls, most Gen Xers, and certainly myself included, you just hold down left or right. Mm-hmm. right? But you can tap, 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 right? You could instead. tap, yeah. Sure. But yeah. the holding down technique, uh, as, as the name suggests, because it's, it's called the delayed auto shift method, uh, was slow because it, the, the piece would pause mm-hmm. and, and then continue moving. 
Yeah. Right. It would get one tick. Yeah. And then it would proceed. Yes. yes. So that method's yeah. called DAS, delayed auto shift. That's not, but well, that wasn't good enough to get past the 290 lines. And, and, and by the way, when you reach uh, level 29, which is when around, when around uh, 290 lines, 230 lines, mm-hmm. uh, the game reaches its highest possible speed, which is a piece falling every sixth of a second. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so when you're playing that, I, what you do is you don't look at the piece that's falling. Mm. What you do is you look at the next piece coming that's in the next box. You have to know where it's going. Oh. So and so basically, let's say you piece one, two, and three. Yeah. So I've already looked at piece one and I know where it's going to go. And so as soon as I start moving it, I'm looking, I don't look at the screen anymore. I'm looking over at piece two and figuring out where it's going to go <laughs> later. Then I verify one drops in place. And as soon as two comes in, I'm immediately looking at three because I've got to figure out where it's going to fit. I was wondering about that, John. But, yeah. but then you you do have to look at the screen. You just don't look at it after you start bringing in the new piece. Not until right before you set it, right? Because you know how many taps. You see the piece and I know, okay, that's six taps over. So I can look at piece two while I'm tapping six times and then look to verify that it's dropping in the right spot. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> if I know it belongs far left, that's, that's like a full eight or nine taps to get all the way to the left, that's okay. But if it needs to go not all the way, I know how many taps it is to get in the slot it needs to drop in. Yeah, yeah. Well, if the speed and what John just said didn't make Tetris difficult enough, <laughs> uh, beginning at level 138, a byte overflow causes Tetris to load color palettes from unrelated areas of memory, yeah, creating unintended crazy. piece colors, some of which render the, what are they called, tetraminoes, incredibly difficult to see. There's one called Dusk and another called something like something else invisible. I don't know. They're very yeah. dark colors against the back, the black background. Oh. Yeah. And, and some players got that far only to be destroyed by the fact that they could hardly see the, the oh, no. yeah. anyway. So, so here's look. we got this kid that set this record, right? Didn't last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all the things up against him. And I mentioned Daz wasn't going to help him. John mentioned a tapping, which uh, ultimately folks, you know, created a really sort of tapping on steroids, which is hyper tapping, which is literally tapping as fast as you can with your fingers left or right. Mm-hmm. Um, which was something that uh, folks credit to. in 2011, Tetris Pro Thor Ackerland uh, using to eke out a level 30 performance. So he, he did beat uh, 29 in, in, in 2011 by hyper tapping. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. by 2021, Eric ICX used this method to reach level 38, the first to do so. Well, in, in, in 2020, just a couple of years ago, another advent in gameplay. Like, again, this game is so old. How are they coming up with new things for it? I mean, that's, that's so amazing. wonderful and amazing. <laughs> but a new advent uh, in, in uh, technique to play, something called rolling, which was inspired by arcade game record holder Hector Fly uh, Rodriguez, <laughs> who uses te- this technique to create world records in games like track and field. If you remember, mm-hmm. which requires you to press the buttons yep. really quickly. What he would do is he rolls each each finger over the button yep. once on each hand and just keeps going yep. back and forth. Oh. And it looks really effortless and easy to do. But right. Like can't. a speed bag does until you yes. try it once. Yeah. <laughs> and it hits you in the face. Yeah. Back. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Tetris Pro Cheese Fish. These guys, they all have great names. It discovered a way to incorporate rolling uh, using a tra- uh, using an NES controller. In effect, what he, what Cheesefish did was it, the button's so small you can't do uh, you know Hector's he- flies uh, technique. They're too little, 
So what mm-hmm. he did instead was put his finger over which direction he'd wanted to go, left or right, and did the rolling on the back of the controller, which forces the controller- uh, Pushes it up at him. Against oh, the finger that's yeah. on the other side. Yeah, interesting. Now, using this technique, Blue Scooty did what was once thought impossible. He defeated Tetris at level 157, creating another difficult-to-beat world record. Let's see. And there you go. End of story. Wow. Oh, wait a second. Hang on. This just in. Mm. Uh, 13 days after Blue Scooty's mind-bending run, world champion Tetris player Fractal set a new world record by crashing the game at level 155. All right, so it's over. He already beat What? Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be old news, all this level. Sorry, Scooty, yeah. you're but out. He was still first. He was, he was still the first one to do it, even though he wasn't the fastest anymore. Hey, so that was 1980s news. Hey, I know it doesn't sound like it because our show sounds so damn good, but we don't have a big corporate sponsor or a giant podcast network behind us. No. In fact, this show is brought to you week after week with the generosity of folks just like you, listeners who give us a dollar or two or more every month to help us pay all the different bills associated with creating a wonderful show about the 1980s. To find out how you can support our show with a dollar or two or the many free ways to help our show, visit 1980snow.com slash support. Whatever you do, thank you so much. All right. Hey, uh, hey. we're getting there. We're going to give away uh, a, uh, should I say what? Should I show what we're giving away? Does it matter? I give it to us. Yes. It's a, it's a couple yes. of collectibles. Again, these guys, they sell the, but let me tell you about them. Again, they're the largest toy store in, in the Midwest there. It's a family owned store, right? And they have a brick and mortar location that has a, Nearly 5,000 square feet of toys from the 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way to today. And they buy and sell toy collections. Now, you could visit them. They're located mm-hmm. in uh, Kokomo downtown uh, district there in just north, just an hour north of Indianapolis. But the really great news is if you can't make it to downtown, you can still shop uh, Kokomo online. You visit kokomotoys.com for more information. And again, in, and on that site, too, there's a link where you can watch the full uh, episode of them on uh, a toy store mm-hmm. review. Really yeah. great people, great store. Indiana, mm-hmm. Indianapolis is not that, or Kokomo is not that far from me. It's within several hours driving distance, but mm-hmm. it's- It's doable. It's drivable. Yeah. I'm definitely yeah. going to go check it out. But anyway, special <laughs> thanks to them. They sent us a lot of stuff. But today with the 80s bent of our particular show, we're going to be giving away two uh, collectibles here. Uh, this is the uh, Funko, huh, John knows more about these things than I do. The Funko, Vi- from the Funko Vinyl Collection, it is uh-huh. the 11 and Barb- uh, ah, Barb. Living in oh, Barb. Look at we that. found Barb finally. Uh, there she is. She's there in that box the whole time. She still looks alive there too. <laughs> oh, phew. Uh, you know, they, they oh. just started filming again a season five just a few weeks ago. And I've got to say though, there's these recent pictures of uh, Millie Bobby Brown from another film mm. she's in right now. She looks so yeah. much older than she did. Mm. I, I, yeah. I don't know that I'm buying yeah. it. And the others do too yeah. as well. Did you see her in the damsel trailer? Is yeah, that what that's you saw? what I mean. Yeah. Like a young woman. Yeah. Yes. Like she's not 11. How do you no. be, how do you make her 11? I mean, I think she's in her early twenties now, right? De-ager. Yeah, she is. Yeah. It's taking a while. And also mm-hmm. we're going to throw in another stranger things, a, a vinyl collectible here again from Funko. This is the, huh? Huh? <laughs> I don't know what this is, John. Derbs. <laughs> this is another uh, 11, Dorbs. a different. Dorbs. Oh, like Dorbs, like adorable. Dorbs. Okay, Dorbs. Yeah. This is like the kids' Dorbs. This is another yeah, Funko, this one, a different version of 11 here. 
Uh, wow. There you go. So if you're a fan of the 1980s, fan of Stranger Things, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to give those away. And all you got to do is put a hashtag in the, in the comments when we tell you to do that. All right. Hey, we're going to be talking about crushes today. Yes. Uh, and of course, as always, and as always, as this last time, I want to mention special thanks to our, our, our producer, Marcus Taylor, who helped uh, research and write uh, our uh, segment on crushes today. So mm-hmm. look, you know how I am. I can't just do a list or ask you for your opinions about things. I've got to know stuff. <laughs> and share it mostly because he doesn't care about our opinions, but yeah. also yeah, because yeah. he, he just, likes to know. He things. likes to hear yeah. himself oh, yeah. talk. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So hey, look, you might think because uh, I did think I did think this. You might think that crushes uh, like acne only erupt during puberty, but in fact, crushes like huh, let's say like uh, bedwetting can oh. break out as early as five or six years old. <laughs> There are at least three things you could have said worse, so I'm happy you said bedwetting. Yes. <laughs> John, that's, what do you got? No, 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 no. I'm not going to say what no, 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 no. I did have another one, John. I did have another one that I wouldn't say. Okay. And he might be on the same that's good. Probably Just keep, keep that one. All right. Anyway, and it's good that they start so early because the first crush is actually considered to be a developmental milestone. And I really mm. didn't know why. Like, what's the importance of crushes? Because, you know, ultimately when we start f- having romantic interests, you know, it's- for a particular purpose. Well, I'll get to that in a moment, but what's the purpose of a crush? Well, it turns out it's the first step towards an eventual separation from your immediate family. Mm. And if mm. handled well, uh, it could be the beginning of talking with children about relationships. Mm-hmm. Although oh. if, if handled poorly, however, a child may grow up to be an objectophile and have sex with their Camaro. <laughs> oh, that's a real thing. <laughs> Look it up. Um, okay. Or the Eiffel Tower. These are real, these are real uh, examples of objectophilia. Anyway, mm. while, while feeling or, or that new Dune 2 popcorn bucket. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> popcorn bucket? Wait, wait, I missed something, John. Are you making love to a Dune popcorn bucket? <laughs> no, I just, it, 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 have a look right now. If you're listening, yeah, pause, I am listening. go Google Dune 2 AMC popcorn bucket, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, John, I didn't even have to type the whole thing. <laughs> oh, wait, here it goes. All right, let's see. Uh, Dune 2. <laughs> hey, this is a 1980s 2 special. Because Dune originally this came out in 1984. Did. All right, so Dune, the remake, Dune Part 2, is going viral for its sandworm replica popcorn bucket that some joke, uh, popcorn, <clears throat> that some joke is not safe for work. All right, let's see. Where, yeah. where is it here? Oh, my God. He finally saw it. It's not that this isn't safe for work. I, that's a, this, <sighs> I have a whole other issue with this. Cat it's not safe Object- for John's objectophilia. imagination. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Six pump. Here's here's people's response to this photo on uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Six pumps of butter hold the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this reminds me of when we talked about this. Kind of no. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other folks said, uh, someone said, just hear me out for a moment. <laughs> Someone's getting fired. Uh, someone said, I mean, from the side, great. But when you see it from another angle, this is going to be a high demand <laughs> popcorn bucket. Oh my God. I, I got to say, this is a thing that, that uh, yep. you know, that center thing there, uh, the mouth of the That's sandworm. Center thing. thing it's there. triggering yes. my tryptophobia, you know? It's that pattern, yeah. the repeating lines, pattern the, kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all ribbed for someone's pleasure. I don't oh. care for you. Don't care for you at all. 
All right. Steelers. Anyway, all right, let's talk about <laughs> speaking of crushes. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of popcorn buckets. Speaking, speaking of, of crushing yeah. popcorn. Right, so objective buckets. feel. And I see what you're saying, John. Okay, I got you. And I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, wh- now it all makes sense. Full circle. Okay, so now you know what I'm talking about. Talking about crushes here, and while it, it, while it's a feeling, <laughs> that thing is horrifying. <laughs> Well, feeling an overwhelming longing to uh, finger paint with little Sally or share your paste with little Stevie. It's easy to, you know, think of examples probably when you early in age felt affection towards actual people in your life. But some of us, our earliest crushes, including mine, were on fictional characters is what we're talking about. And it turns out this is not unusual because at an early age, we don't differentiate between fictional characters mm-hmm. and, and real people. Sure. Right. I was sure Batman yep. was real. Superman was real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. But we had the discussion about your uh, your uh, Indiana Jones epiphany. That like, oh, that's a that's not a real guy. We talked about you know because your hero yeah. worship, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harrison Ford, Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Uh, well, according to a 1987 study from the Journal of Broadcasting and Electronic Media, people form one sided or parasocial relationships, which I thought mean, meant you fell in love with a ghost, by the way. But a parasocial relationship. <laughs> <laughs> with those on film and TV, the same way they form social relationships with uh, others off screen. And it, it, the study found that uh, as with any crush, we're first drawn to fictional characters because, because of their personality, their mm-hmm. character traits, their skills, their abilities. And it's that one sidedness with crushes in general that allows us to interpret these relationships however we wish. Mm. In the, uh, according to the 1956 psychiatry study that introduced the concept of parasocial relationships, fictional characters can become substitutes for what we want from real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they represent our ideal partner, which may include physical or mental attributes. And I wanted to know about that because when we get to mine in a second, I really wasn't sure mine is mental necessarily. Mm. Uh, you know, and b- before you said about the separation of yourself from family, yeah. I had an idea, but I didn't want to jump in and ruin your research, yeah. which was, Uh-oh. I think, well, the, the other really important thing I, I believe probably crushes do, especially when you're quite young is you know, when you're a kid, initially, like the world doesn't extend beyond your reach. You are the center of the universe and you don't, you know, a baby doesn't have empathy or can't kind of feel what other people are feeling or anything like that. And so probably when you start to find someone on whom you can project your affection, you're starting to realize that, well, that person is the other. It's not me. It's another entity outside of myself. So you start to expand that bubble and realize that people exist when you're not there and they can also be important. That stuff actually starts a whole lot earlier than you might think. Does it? Yeah. The development of empathy and the, uh, <laughs> I could go on and on. I want to say, I won't. yeah, you know, John was fucking a popcorn bucket at two. <laughs> just, just started this early. This is an adult show. Did I mention that? Sorry. No butter. Dry bucket. Oh gosh. Little Johnny. Wait, you got to teach you about something. It's not wrong what you're doing. You're just, you're going to get that bucket. <laughs> Are there so many t-shirt opportunities? Will, what are you doing? Yes. Get was, on it. I was silk screening. That's where I went. Sorry, Kat. What, what were you saying, Kat? I, I was trying to point out that differentiation from other starts a lot earlier. All right. Hey, let's get to some crushes. I'll tell you more about this stuff in, in a moment. Okay. Here, Please do. All right. Uh, let's see. Kat, since I really interrupt you, why don't you tell us about one of your crushes? Now, let's keep in mind when we talk about these, and we'll share some from folks that from the comments today and some of them shared on Facebook and social media. Keep in mind, these crushes often represent our idealized partner. 
So okay, give, hit us up with uh, one of your uh, crushes. Okay, well, I'm going to give you the one that I'm not embarrassed about no. as far as those criteria. Wait, why? <laughs> why? How is that helpful? <laughs> this is an entertainment show, Kat. Yeah. Start That's with the true. most embarrassing first. Yeah. Or I they'll tune out. Oh, I don't most know. embarrassing? Right okay. Now. All right. I'll start with the most. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bo Duke. Oh, oh. That's not embarrassing. How is that embarrassing? Yeah. Because you're talking about, oh, you know, they're, what did you say? They're a model for qualities that we want. And, well, what, uh, you know, what's wrong with Bo? Well, yeah. why do you think he doesn't well, have proper qualities? I mean, other than, okay, go ahead. Just, yeah. Well, <laughs> Unless we're talking about the present day actor. That's what I was John about Schneider. to say, but let us leave that alone. Yeah. There, yeah. That is conflated in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, actually, for him, I think I can safely say I just thought he was cute. He, he mm-hmm. had more of a physical appeal to me. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was pretty young. I was whatever, eight, you know, eight or nine years old. And um, this, and I'm going to tell you my second crush uh, that I have on my little list here, mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker. Oh, okay. So, be, be, but before I say anything about Luke, I'm going to say I wished that Bo was actually Luke. Like I wished, no. I admired Bo, oh, but I wanted okay. him to be named Luke. Because I loved the name oh, Luke because I loved Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> so hmm. I remember that as a kid being really annoyed that Bo was Bo and that Bo was not named Luke. So there's that hmm. bit of bizarreness. But, but I think Luke Skywalker is, um, he's, he's probably pretty easy to identify as someone that we could, uh, um, yeah. y- you know, he, he was relatable. Uh, he, so at, he was at, at what age do you think, do you think, I mean, we could. We oh, could draw right some, away. extrapolate some years. So when did as that soon come as you out? saw, I was seven. Yeah, whenever, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. All as right. soon as I saw Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so it was probably, it was, it was pre any kind of like physical attraction. You might, like you said, he was cute. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be in his presence or you wanted him to notice you or acknowledge you somehow. Sure. Probably were yep. crushes, kind of early crushes, like see me, you know, mom, look what I'm doing. You know, you want someone else to look at you and mm-hmm. see you and recognize you. Yeah. Tell you you're special and pretty. Oh, <laughs> so, absolutely. So, so what you're saying, Kat, is you think, mm-hmm. you think now years later that you're trying to intellectualize these feelings yeah. you had, that it may, mostly was based on their appearances. Bo, definitely. His, his was, I mean, it was fun too. You know, it was. You could was fill weird. out a pair of jeans. No <laughs> doubt. John Schneider. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. this blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, you did two blondes. You mentioned two blondes, guys. I did mention two blondes. Yeah. Which is funny, but and they're both. Um, I should point out, Luke Skywalker and and Bo, uh, both rebels, hmm. go both going against the you know established law there, and they both hopped over, you know, any, you know, like they, 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 they jump, they jump into their conveyances. That was pretty exciting. Oh yeah, he does do that. Does he do that with the land speeder? Oh, Being yeah, a charger right? or a land speeder? Right no kidding. No kidding. These aren't the moonshiners you're looking for. <laughs> goop, goop, goop. Looked good, <laughs> said the stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he said. Uh, Kathy in the comments says she would still marry Mark Hamill. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and who? Oh Lisa! Oh Lisa's here! Oh Lisa fell in love with Luke Skywalker from a Star Wars yeah. comic book. Wow! Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Before even seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Just from his personality, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for yeah. Luke Skywalker, it was more the, the full package. Not 
What about his package? Yeah. I didn't. Um, wait, what? I'm taking a drink here. <laughs> you can't start talking about Luke Skywalker's package while I'm taking a sip of Kool-Aid. <sighs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> can, that boy can fill out a tunic. Yeah. And the lightsaber. Yeah, let's talk about lightsabers. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the hands come up. No. <laughs> hang on. Just wait. Honey, just hang on a second, honey. Hang on. I swear this has never happened before. Hold on. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Hey, John, you got you got one? Yeah, I... I, I have a few. And so interestingly, two that I, I kind of lumped together uh, because the crush I had on them was not my crush. Okay. <laughs> it was my dad's crush. Oh. So my dad, interestingly, Daisy Duke was one of them. Catherine oh, Bach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was too young to probably be attracted to Daisy Duke, but I was attracted to her because my dad was like, Daisy Duke, here she is. You know, <laughs> it was something to see. It was a reason that he was watching. Your dad's him. like, John, leave the room. Everybody clear out. <laughs> leave the room. Bring me my bucket. And, uh, and, and the other one, similarly, was Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. I also had a huge crush on her. Now, it's obvious the, the, the reasons that my dad had a crush on Linda Carter, mm-hmm. but- I, I I had hero worship for her. She was a superhero. She was awesome. Yeah. That's why I had this crush on her. But I I inherited this secondhand crush from my dad, huh. who was very much enjoyed those two women on television. Now he was a bit older than <laughs> developmental stage, like we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's what, yeah. But <laughs> I kind of inherited those two crushes, and and I still have a, a, a fond memory of watching those shows and feeling an attachment. You know, to like, it's like something beyond like, yeah, I'm watching Wonder Woman, but I'm like, no, but I'm watching her because I really like her or something about her. You know, I later learned why my dad really liked Linda Carter. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Um, but I think, I think I liked, I liked it all, both of those characters on their own, but like the more because of my dad's impression of those characters mm-hmm. and it kind of bled over to me. <laughs> oh yeah. You felt more connected to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyle yeah. says Linda Carter could twirl. Boy, could she, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I you remind me because I had a crush on Linda Carter too, but okay, I think obviously I was much younger than your dad and closer to you in age. Mm-hmm. And I realize, and I know you're making these allusions to the fact that you know she's a very attractive woman who really filled out that uniform. <laughs> and I think, to me, and at this age when we're talking about where we it's pre prepubescent, so you know we don't have the drives that ultimately motivate us to find relationships later in our lives. But for me, it was this. I think for me, I really do feel like at the time there was this mixture of. Obviously, I knew she was attractive, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it was like a maternal thing, which now now this sounds like I need to talk to, to a psychologist, <laughs> some kind of Freudian thing. Mm-hmm. But that she, yeah, but the, the, you know what? I don't even want to go down this path. Don't. It has something to do with, obviously, her bosoms and motherhood, and okay. there's probably something that plays on a young person you. that, mm-hmm. I don't know, makes you thirsty? Yeah. I don't <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm backing out of this whole thing. But the, 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 the thought that I had was yeah. that it occurred to me, I actually was more fond of Linda Carter when it was Diana Prince. Oh, that's interesting. The Wonder Woman was great, but something about it, it almost felt too much for me. I'm like, oh, she's there's too much being bared. There's too much. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what my sexuality was. And so I'm like, I, I don't get this. Some people uh-huh. like this. I don't understand it. But as Diana Prince, yeah. I'm like, 
it's the same person. I can feel the same way about you, but I don't have that over-sexualized feeling. It's just, maybe it's that maternal thing that you were saying. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but that's what you made me think of when uh-huh. you said the different kind of approach to it. And like, it, I hadn't thought of that until just now that like, yeah, I was much more comfortable when she was incognito because <laughs> I knew who she could be, but she's not doing it right now. That's yeah. fascinating to me because mm-hmm. I'll tell you who my crush is. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture here. This is one of oh. my earliest crushes here. Oh, is yes. Girl. Yes. That was played by Yvonne yeah. Craig in the 1966 Batman TV show. Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. I was I was considering this. I, I was in love with Batgirl. I was uh-huh. not in love with Barbara Gordon. Now, it's oh. the same thing, yeah. like you said, because she has an alter ego. And both of their mm-hmm. alter egos are these intelligent women, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And, but I was the opposite. The librarian you. glasses. Yeah. Oh, oh, the glasses. <laughs> are those sexy? I hadn't heard that. But the the thing about, for me was, and I know who she could become. I don't know. There was just something about, you know, her in the other form. It's this complete opposite of what you say. Huh. And and maybe it had to do with my infatuation with superheroes just generally, you know? I mean, I probably had a a bromance or, you know, a man crush on, you know, Batman and Robin and Superman and those characters as well. Speaking of Robin, he he was another crush of mine. Is that I right? I loved Robin, mm. yeah. Now, that you're talking like the, the Burt Ward Robin or just Robin as a character in general? Yeah. Um, well, you could, you could say character in general, but mm-hmm. yeah, the Burt Ward. Uh, Is that, yeah. when, since you say it was just Robin generally, does that mean it began like maybe even Super Friends era? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I, you know what? I don't, hmm, I can't really point to when it started. But what is that, Casey Kasem's voice, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, was Shaggy also a crush? No, oh, okay. I did not have a crush on Shaggy. <laughs> See, Brad writes, I thought we were going to talk about how hot Pinky Tuscadero was and not the Hellraiser sex bucket. <laughs> <laughs> well, first it's Dune 2, get it straight. Yeah, right. If you're going to order it, Brad, you're going to need to know. <laughs> yeah, you need to know. Uh, let's see. Owl says, uh, as far as crushes go, Wilma Deering from Buck Rogers. Yep. Jody Banks from Fall Guy. Uh, I had that poster. Julie Newmar's a Catwoman and Athena from Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle, mm-hmm. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Firestar, yes. Okay, I get you there. Wonder Woman on Justice League. Madonna mm-hmm. when she was 40 years from Social Security. <laughs> <laughs> and not and two. Not two. <laughs> yeah. And Tawny Contain. Yeah, oh yeah. Who's Tawny? She's she's not fictional. No, oh, that's true. Yeah, well, I guess <laughs> if you consider it a music video, maybe she's a character. Tawny Contain okay, appeared yeah. in uh, the uh, White yeah. Snake music videos. I think she was also oh. dating, uh, what's his name, David Coverdale at the time. Okay. Um, she recently passed away within just the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad mm-hmm. says also he had a crush on a female ghost in Disney's Child of Glass that should have been a signal for therapy. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't even know what that is, Child of I'm, Glass. I'm not sure mm-hmm. either. Uh, Karen uh, Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. He's not yeah. fictional either, but many he played many characters that I'm sure were mm-hmm. charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I wonder yep. which one. Uh, and she apologizes also for still having a crush on Kirk Cameron and Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> That's kind of like your John Schneider thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Will. Yeah. So one of the others that I have on my list that is further down on my list, but I think it could be an interesting question because it's it's kind of like this this time tested thing. Like you pick, you know, Marianne or Ginger kind of thing, right? Those those mm-hmm. kind of like dichotomies, like which of these. Uh... So one of the childhood crushes on my list is a character from the facts of life. Okay. Do you know which one I have a, had a crush on? Oh, this is a game. I love this game. This is a great game. All right. I uh, have a mm-hmm. guess. Same one as Kimberly is guessing in the comments. Okay. Joe? Was it all Joe? kinds of people. Well, let, let's That's one of them. We're going to let everybody guess. Yeah. I was leaning That's towards Joe also. And the reason why is because mm-hmm. John wanted to make a game out of it if it wasn't obvious. 
Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, it it might be Mrs. Garrett. You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now, wait a second. It also might be someone who was a star on it in prior seasons, like Molly Ringwald. Oh. Who was on it early on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with Joe also. All right, John. How did we do? Winner. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 From the time she drove her motorcycle in and parked mm-hmm. on Mrs. Garrett's flowers and walked in and they thought she was a boy. She just bucked the rules and yeah. didn't give a shit. I love that about her. Uh, I, I don't think it was any kind of physical attraction, although she's a very lovely young lady. She hid it, trying to be very tomboyish mm-hmm. in, in the show. I yeah. loved her character, her personality. Like if she wasn't on the screen, I was waiting until she came on the screen when I was <laughs> watching Facts Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were tuned out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Joe because of what you said about uh, Linda Carter, that you preferred her, you know, alter e- or Diana Prince, her alter ego, mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of uh, her true identity as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I told you about Batgirl, and I think, well, I didn't say why I thought I was attracted to her, I guess. Because I think a lot of my right. things were a combination of the personality and just primal things that I didn't understand yet. And mm-hmm. for Batgirl, quite honestly, again, I, I liked female characters that could kick butt and that were smart. And mm-hmm. that was Batgirl. But mm-hmm. I have to, and so and that was also consistent with Wonder Woman as well. But I do think it's because of how they filled out their costumes, quite honestly. And <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm always honest with you guys. Yeah. Yvonne Craig in that Batgirl suit. I mean, she, oh yeah, that hourglass oh, yeah. shape just triggers Form some fitting. kind of thing that you don't know why. Yeah. And as a, <laughs> as a young person, yeah. you just have these amorous feelings, not, you know. Yeah. Not primal feelings or, you know, Mm -hmm. don't be Mm -hmm. on that. But, but my other crush, which is what for me that I'm trying to figure out is there some sort of pattern and there's only a very superficial pattern. Oh, I've told you guys this before is Daphne from (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Okay. Now look again, she's part of this solving group. Now, occasionally she Mm -hmm. was a damsel in distress and I didn't seem to mind that when I was a kid because I I Mm -hmm. had this fantasy of being like the Fred that would help save her, you know, Ah. quite honestly, and I remember this very vividly. When, and this must be another DNA, just thinking 10,000 years of, you know, human evolution or something, you know, is that, <laughs> is that um, when she was in need of help, there was something that triggered in me, like a, a longing to want to save her. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But other than, I could see you with an ascot. You could pull that off. <laughs> I dressed like that one, one year. And I actually <gasps> had the blonde wig oh, a couple no. Halloweens ago. The Daphne <laughs> thing and the Batgirl thing, the only thing, thing I could think in common, aside from the attributes I just described, is they both had red hair and wore purple. Right Am on. I as simple as that? Will, have you ever read the comic book Red Sonia? I have not, although I have oh. seen oh, Red Sonia. You should. Yeah. Oh. oh. If anyone you should. read the comic book? You, you should, yeah. They want to Yeah. You remind me, there, there are a couple more. One, really, that is really worth discussing, and the last one is, you one you already know, because the crush has un, unchanged decades later. But mm-hmm. one that I remember very vividly is... Um, the character of Isabeau from Lady Hawk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. You know the film? Mm-hmm. So it's Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer. And basically they're lovers who were cursed. And uh, he is a wolf by night and a yeah and a man by day. And right. she is a hawk by day, day and, a wolf, right. and a bird by night. Whatever. And a woman. Ooh. Anyway, they, they only see each other when the sun comes up and down for a moment. But the, the first is Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, but also uh-huh. she was, uh, it, it was the unobtainable. It was the, the fact that this, this hero would dedicate his entire life just to have spend moments with her when the sun came up and down mm-hmm. just Aww. made her more 
like, well, if Rutger Hauer spends his entire life fawning after her, you know, it, it, it fed into what I, and I didn't necessarily have a thing for Michelle Pfeiffer before that, as attractive as she is. She's not my type, if there's such a thing, mm-hmm. not like Luke Skywalker for Cat, but, <laughs> but in that role, particularly as a fictional character, I found her to be fascinating and probably Ooh. I'd call it a crush, I would expect. Huh. But what, how'd you feel about her when she was a hawk? <laughs> <laughs> Less attracted? Less? <laughs> By a bit? Yeah. I'm just checking. I'm just okay. Squawk. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, so look, I guess in wrapping this up and then we'll share, you know, we'll, you know, we'll share some uh, folks comments from a social media, I guess trying to make this seem smart just for, to serve my own purposes. So I feel like our show is just not us talking about, uh, you know, having sex with a popcorn bucket. <laughs> to rise out of that. Well, it's not just that. No. It's a, it's a Pareto rule, 80, 20, right? Uh, so it turns out at six years old, you know, that crush you had on Fonzie or, or, uh, Pinky Tuscadero for that matter, you're very similar mm. characters. Uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't abnormal. It, it was our burgeoning social radar <laughs> honing in on <laughs> a character who embodied coolness, confidence, and perhaps mm-hmm. the rebellious streak you admired. And the thing that we sort of, we've been touching upon, <laughs> no pun intended, was that as we entered our teen years, obviously <laughs> chemically things change and our hormones, you know, start to rewire our brains Mm -hmm. for more personal, for more personal social and emotional Mm -hmm. connections and whether we know it or not reproduction. I mean, right. I mean, that's what we're, yes, that's the drive, you know, we're wired for, right. You may never reproduce. You may be attracted (laughs) to someone of the same sex and therefore you Mm -hmm. can't biologically, Mm -hmm. but the drive is there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, Yeah. Anyway. And all of a sudden the fictional heartthrobs become more than just cool characters. They become, objects of desire, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think I had that experience too, as you know, I got older and uh, yeah. the people I was interested changed. That's when you want Diana Prince to spin around. Wait, <laughs> is she continuing to spin John or she spin just 180 degrees? Oh no. I, I want just clarify. Oh, anyway, but even as we get older, oh. we're still drawn to, uh, you know, characters who are going to embody the qualities that ultimately we're going to search for, for potential partners. You think mm-hmm. about, Mm-hmm. You know, as you get older, Molly Ringwald, her rebellious charm at 16 Candles, or Michael J. Fox's, uh, you know, that uh, boyish swagger he had in uh, Back to the Future. But yeah. mm-hmm. it turns out that our crushes, you know, and certainly this, uh, they weren't solely fueled by just a hormonal cocktail as we got older. They also shaped, and they also weren't just necessarily becoming vessels for these people that ultimately we would seek out in our lives. Mm-hmm. They also shaped our own evolving identities because these the fictional characters also serve somewhat of as a mirror reflecting idealized versions of who we want to be. So therefore mm-hmm. drawn to mm. maybe John wanted to be able to, you know, transmogrify or <laughs> that's not the word. He wanted to be able to be able to be an animal at, at during the day. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know? Or oh, maybe I am. Maybe you aspire to, you know, have a Ferris Bueller's Securefee, uh, you know, rebellion. <laughs> anyway, they, in some sense, the, these crushes allowed us to test drive different selves, explore our own personalities and mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. All right. So there you go. Maybe I really wanted to yeah. be able to leap into a vehicle. Yeah, cat, You got to do that. That's <laughs> right. I really want you to weld my doors shut. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. We asked folks on social media who their crushes were and cat. we're going to skip over anybody who's been live with us today that may have shared anybody, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's... um. What was that, Wilma? You're doing this from memory? No, I have it written in front then of me. If it's written, read what you wrote. I 
writing too fast. What's the character's name? Wilma what? John, she made notes, but you can't read them. Flintstone? No! Is it Chief the book? Just say Wilma Rogers? then and move on. Okay. Uh, is it Wilma like Deering? Deering? Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. I figured yeah. you guys would Wilma know. Deering. Okay. Well, yeah, she was a popular mention. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dan and Don and George all uh, were in her favor. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, Kira, the muse from Xanadu. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, ah, Frank on my hmm. share. That's, yeah, that's, that's that was telling. his first hmm. crush. Yeah. Um, we have a Nicholas Bradford and Tommy Bradford from Eight is Enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brothers oh, there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Tara okay. and Kate were uh, fond of them, respectively. Uh, uh, Maverick, or whatever his real, you know, his character's name was in Top Gun, <laughs> Tom Cruise's character by uh, a uh, a Karen. Um, oh, and wait, wait, wait. also by, by a Karen oh, or no, someone no, named no, Karen? A friend Karen, a friend Karen. Some Karen know. likes. Some Karen. <laughs> Uh, all right, that was great. Thanks, Kat, for that. No, 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 really? I'm just going to tear through some here, right? I was trying oh, that to. Was, that was so okay, sincere. Let me show, okay. you, let me show you. Thanks for I'll that, I'll show you how I tear Kat. through it here. Pink Pepper Tulip says, Ricky Schroeder on Silver Spoons. Warrior Goof says, Barbara Eden, I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah, that's a good one. And Harper Valley. Mr. Oh. Throwback Thursday yeah, yeah, yeah. says, uh, More so. Christy yep. McNichol. He names real people. Christy McNichol or Valerie Bertinelli. Suzanne Hall says, Definitely Leaf Garrett. It was also her first concert. Carolyn says, my first crush was Speed Racer. There we go. There's a fictional character. It was, yeah. It's the car. It's the cool car. Chicks <laughs> dig the car. We got another vote for Buck Rogers uh, characters, including uh, every female that was on there, because Tom just includes mm. a photo of them. and <laughs> oh, says it was a battle and, between good and bad. <laughs> oh, yes. And Hawkman. Perhaps Hawkman was the list. <laughs> Lauren, Wonder Woman, Chad, Kim Richards, and Heather <laughs> Thomas, Bill, Brooke Shields, and Lisa Welchel, who was on Facts of Life. Yeah, she was. Uh, Andrew says, Vicky Stubing, you know, the captain's daughter on Love Boat. Oh, Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon, mm-hmm. who's with us here in the chat, wow, he mm-hmm. provided us a list and says it's a pleasant oh. rabbit hole to jump into. Oh. And then he says he's a fan of Jessica mm. Rabbit. <laughs> Speaking of rabbit holes. That's a little what he wrote. Speaking of rabbit holes. Uh, he also includes uh, Leah, Leah Thompson in uh, Howard the Duck and Christine Applegate in <sighs> Kelly Bundy and she Oh, that's creepy. All right, Kat, that's, that's plenty. Let's get the show over with you, all right? We got to give away a prize and then we're going to end the show. All right, here, if folks who are still with us- <laughs> mm-hmm. In spite of that interminable list, here's how you play. What? Look, we're going to give away again. We've got two. We're going to give these. I'm going to give both of these to one person. Join us on the Ooh. future. I'm going to give both that's, these weighted to one person. Okay. That's how you Ooh. make shipping cheaper. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's what's <laughs> working on the budget. On shipping. <laughs> now we got to get a sponsor for shipping. Uh, anyway, we're going to give away both of these amazing Funko uh, Pops collectibles, Stranger Thing uh, themed. Uh, uh, courtesy of Kokomo Toys. And here is uh, how you play. In the comments right now, just put hashtag Kokomo. Mm. Hashtag Kokomo. And if you don't know all how to spell case, Kokomo, it's- All lowercase. It doesn't matter. Case, it's case K, insensitive. All right. It's K-O- Standard K-O- hashtag rules. M-O. All right. We'll give you a moment to do that. And then all we got to do and is essentially spin a wheel of sorts. Pretty and uh, that's it. Montego. And it's going to start. There it goes. It's on the roll. Let's see here. Oh, so Donnie Lawson. Yes. Donnie. Donnie. Congrats. Get your info and get this over to you. Thanks so much for playing along. And hey, 
Uh, don't forget that this uh, prize that we're sending over to Donnie was thing again, again, it was, you know, courtesy of uh, Kokomo Toys. Visit them at mm-hmm. KokomoToys.com or visit them in, in Kokomo, Indiana. That's what I plan on doing uh, one day soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, but uh, in addition to our show, this episode being brought to you by that fine sponsor, it is brought to you every week by a set of other folks. Uh, and so there you go, Kat. That's how I teach you up. Oh, oh, sorry. I was typing to congratulate oh. Donnie. Hey, um, a special our thanks to our early adopters. It brought you <laughs> thanks in part to our early adopters <laughs> like Rick Parker and Karen Flieger. Yeah. There we go. And thank you for joining us tonight, Karen. And thank you especially to our secret mm-hmm. of our success level Patreon supporters, of which anyone could join this group. Just waiting mm-hmm. for names. Mm-hmm. Like... Craig Coletta, Matt Marino, John Henderson, Brandon Greer, Marcus Taylor, Tony Great, and Nick Guillory. Great. Yeah, yeah. Great. Great. And we want to add uh, another special thanks to a, our latest uh, Patreon member, Kyle Palladino. Thank you, Kyle. Hey, uh, one of our patrons. You, we greatly Aww. appreciate it because, look, we're really super thankful. Uh, yeah. Because without the uh, the generosity of these folks, uh, we would not be able to pay the bills. So there you go. So uh, please join us if you can. If you can't, just leave a comment, share a post, uh, follow us on Facebook, please. Because if you don't already, because seriously, some publicists say, well, how many followers do you have on Facebook? It's that kind of thing that, you know, makes a determination mm-hmm. as to what kind of guests we can get, that sort of thing. And speaking of which, we got a bunch of interviews planned and some other cool things coming up as well. Some new true crime episodes. Kat's working on a one-hit wonder uh, challenge to challenge, Ooh. to embarrass John and me. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so wait. there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, also again, special thanks to Marcus for helping put this, uh, our crush uh, segment together. Oh. All right, folks. Hey, we will join you next week uh, when we will talk about more fun things. Uh, I always screw that up. All right. We will talk to you again. Not always this time. Hey, we will talk to you again next time on 1980s. Now until next time, extra butter. (laughs) 